back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It's been a while. We took a little break with the holidays slash New Year's slash vacation time. So hopefully uh, our break didn't bother you all too much, but we are Glad to be back in the swing of things here in 2023. Um, excited for the year ahead. 2022, uh, the season didn't go uh, as expected, but I do think better times are ahead in 2023. Um, before we kind of jump into the pod here, Gabby, I want to uh, have a word from some of our sponsors. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561 561- Five seven three four six six one, and here's the beauty: when you refer someone to Star, he will donate two hundred and fifty dollars to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So, to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at five six one five seven three four six six one. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. All right, we are back. Gabby, you are up in Orlando for Under Armour Week, the all-star game uh, um, that, you know, there's two big all-star games at the high school level, the Under Armour game and the All-American game uh, in San Antonio. You are at the Under Armour game, which is the game that one Cormani McLean is participating in, and he is being watched by everyone. This is kind of what happens when you decide to, I don't know, make some decisions that, uh, you know, you push back your signing and now everyone's going to nitpick everything you do on a practice field, et cetera, et cetera. But let's start with, with where things are at in terms of Cormani and Miami. I know at the media check-in, it was an interesting situation. So let's just start there. Um, what did you learn from Cormani during his media check-in session uh, You know, at the start of the Under Armour week? Yeah, uh, that was probably, I, I think everyone, I mean, Cormani McLean walks into the, the convention center there at the Marriott World Center in, here in Orlando and everyone in the room stood up. I mean, every like that was, he, he's the guy everyone was here to talk to. What's he doing next? And David, does we know with the early signing period 
in December now. There's not a lot of recruiting juice coming out of this. Or, so Cormani McLean, definitely the talk of the Under Armour All-American game in, turn, in terms of scoop, in terms of wondering what he's doing. Um, I think Andrew Ivins pointed out that he's the highest rated prospect in the early signing period era to not sign with the school that he was committed to. So Cormani McLean definitely stealing headlines, did it again. I believe it was Thursday, you know, early afternoon-ish when he walked in, took a, a couple photos, elected not to speak with the media publicly, but uh, he did chat with uh, Andrew Ivins off the red, you know, just kind of off to the side, had a quick conversation. It doesn't sound like he has any visits set up or nothing that he's kind of making known uh, right now. You know, he's kind of saying all the right things about Miami. Uh, he threw up the U and all the photo ops that he had. I mean, he made sure to do all that, walked into the Under Armour, uh, you know, the check-in of the hotel when he got there, I guess, Wednesday, decked out in orange and green. Uh, so right now, you know, again, it seems like Cormani's continues to kind of remain committed to Miami. He's not stepping away saying, hey, I, I'm decommitting from Miami. I'm fully opening this thing up, giving myself a fresh start. He's staying firm onto that commitment, holding on to it. So I think that that's probably one thing of note. And then one thing, I, I believe it was Andrew who wrote it. Um, is, is there going to be some sort of ceremony potentially in mid-January? What, what's that about? Yeah, that, that, that's what Cormani is, is telling people that he's going to, I don't know if it's making a final decision here in January, if it's, uh, you know, some sort of thing that he's doing, whatever it is. Uh, so right now, it, it seems like that's something that's in the works. But as we've, as we've seen with this situation, David, uh, this thing kind of changes and, and moves around, you know, almost hourly all those different types of things. So I'm not fully buying stock in any sort of big time ceremony or anything of that sort. If it happens, you know, it happens. And, you know, I, I think we'll definitely be there to, to cover it, but I, I guess that is kind of his plan right now. But I think, I think the, the wise move is to kind of just stay in wait and see mode with this Cormani McLean situation. And who are the teams believed to be at play? I know, you know, during the early signing period when Cormani decided to not sign on that Wednesday, uh, Miami and we were under the impression that Alabama was the biggest threat. Um, you know, Alabama the next day earned a, earned the signature of another five-star cornerback in Desmond Ricks, which I think kind of takes the pressure off Alabama's need to push strong for Cormani. I do think Alabama's still in the mix. Um, I think, you know, Florida's kind of been rumored to be hanging around there. Florida, of course, uh, does well at Lakeland High School. Uh, in Polk County, which is where Cormani's from. And, uh, you know, the longer this goes, it definitely kind of uh, opens the door more and more for Colorado and Deion Sanders to make a push. Are these the primary teams that play along with Miami? Of course, as you mentioned, he still maintains he's committed to Miami. Um, how would you kind of characterize the teams that play for Cormani right now? Yeah, I mean, David, I think from that that Wednesday, uh, I really felt like Alabama is maybe the truest contender. I think if he were to go play anywhere else, I think it would be for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. Um, you know, I do think right now, again, what we've kind of maintained, I mean, I do think right now, if you were forced to make a decision right now, I do still think he would go to Miami. But I do think, like, I'm, I'm definitely watching Alabama. I do think that he has some interest in Colorado and that whole situation, I, I mean, it is far from home. 
Uh, he seems close with his family. I'm not totally buying the Colorado thing. Um, I do believe that he has some interest now that, again, like we said, that Deion Sanders stuff, I, I, I do think that, you know, he's willing to give them a look. But I, I'm still personally more concerned about Alabama than, than really any other program for, for Cromani McLean. Okay. And from the Miami side of things, do you feel like Miami's still confident, I guess, or, or feels okay that at the end of the day, they can end up with Cormani in this class? Yeah, you know, I, I think that there, there's still some confidence on Miami's in that, that they can get him in. And, you know, I think this is one of those situations where you kind of just have to let it play out. Like, I think Miami's done everything that they can do right now. Uh, I, I mean, this, he is closer to DeMarcus Van Dyke than he is to any other, you know, really staffer at Miami. And I do think that, uh, you know, as long as DVD is with the Hurricanes, which I anticipate him to be, of course, I mean, he's not being linked to any other jobs or anything like that. Um, but I do think that if DeMarcus Van Dyke's at Miami, I mean, I think that the Hurricanes have a very good job, a very good chance of signing him. And, uh, you know, again, I, he committed to basically be coached by DeMarcus Van Dyke. Obviously, he's an off-field analyst and all those different types of things. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, a, a weird just kind of deal. But uh, right now, again, I, I still feel like Miami's, you know, in, in a good spot. And I do still feel like they're confident that they could – that they could land him, but I could definitely also see the situation getting a little stickier. And uh, my, my best sense of the situation is that if it's not going to be Miami, it's probably going to be Alabama. So uh, right now I'm still feeling okay about Miami. If, if I had a crystal ball in right now, like if I had a crystal ball to throw in right now, um, I guess I do, but I just, I mean, I wouldn't put it on anyone right now. I think it's still one of those situations we have to kind of continue to monitor here over the next uh, few weeks. How has Cormani performed at the practices, uh, the Under Armour practices this week? Yeah, I mean, he, he, it's been tough to kind of, you know, evaluate him outside of how, just how he looks physically or, you know, kind of like the movement and all that stuff because uh, he's kind of nursing a shoulder injury. Uh, so he hasn't participated in, in one-on-ones or he hasn't done a ton of team stuff. He did get in on some seven-on-seven action, I think, on the first uh, – the first day of the, of the week and, you know, kind of, you know, he gave up a touchdown. I don't think people realize how hard cornerback is at some of these events um, just because like, you know, it's obviously just a bunch of new stuff and, and all those different types of things. But I think overall, like just kind of watching him move around. I mean, I feel like I constantly get, I mean, I get reminded every time I kind of see him in pads and all that stuff, why people feel the way that they feel about him. I mean, he is, he is insanely long. Uh, you can see that he's kind of filled out a little bit more than maybe he has in the past. And in terms of like the prototypical cornerback, I mean, Cormani McLean has all those tools. Uh, he's definitely fluid coming in and out of his breaks and, you know, doing all those things, but it's hard to kind of, it's been tough to evaluate him in terms of his coverage ability because he hasn't necessarily, you know, been pushed a ton and he hasn't really been thrown at a lot in terms of, at least from what I've seen, but everything else he does, just kind of watching him go through drills with some of these other guys. I mean, I think that you can see why he's considered, you know, the, the very best of the bunch. Is his body type the most impressive of the corners out there? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it depends what you're, what you're looking for in terms of just like kind of the, the wow factor. I mean, I think if you're, uh, if you're someone who, who has no knowledge of football and you look at that lineup of cornerbacks, I think you're going to pick out Cormani McLean and be like, yeah, that's probably the most impressive looking dude in terms of length. I mean, Someone that's really impressed me, Jakeem Jackson, the Florida signee. I mean, Miami really, really tried to to make a run there. I mean, I think he has a really impressive frame too. And I think he's been really, really, uh, you know, really solid 
uh, out here as well. But I mean, I think those two are probably in the conversation for, you know, best cornerback bodies here at the Under Armour All-American game in terms of what I've seen. I'm only on one side of the field with the Miami signees and all that stuff. So I can't really okay. speak for some of the guys that are on the other side of the field. But in terms of what I'm seeing and consuming on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, Jakeem Jackson, Cormani McLean are the two that stand out most. Let's talk about the other guys that are Miami signees competing this week at Under Armour. And let's start with Ruben Bain, the top 100 defensive lineman. Seems like he's having a, a pretty good week. Yeah, I, I think he's going to start later on uh, here on Tuesday uh, for team speed. I'm not sure if it's going to be off the edge. I anticipate it will be because that's where he's been getting a lot of his primary reps. Uh, but Ruben Bain, I mean, he's displayed, you know, really strong motor, uh, that power and kind of, you know, strength that he won with, that we saw him win a ton with in high school, David. I mean, he's putting that on display here against some of the nation's best offensive linemen. I mean, on, uh, I guess it, what was it? I guess it was Sunday during one-on-ones. He got four reps, two from the outside, two on the inside. I thought he cleanly won all of them. I mean, one of them, he got Amir Herring, who's, who's Michigan bound and basically sat him down on the, on the, you know, the, the, the faux quarterback, which is basically just a big, a big bag that's, you know, there to simulate the, the signal caller, just kind of pushed him right back into it. He's gotten around Miles McVay, who's going to Alabama. He's gone around Lucas Simmons, who's a, an extremely high upside, uh, you know, left tackle prospect that's going to Florida State. He's beaten Olaus Allen, who's another, you know, probably interior guard that's going to, to Alabama. I mean, he's done, he's done a really, really impressive job with, you know, once he's kind of gotten his chances to, to kind of work those guys. I mean, I think everyone that's watched has, has agreed that Bain has been one of the more impressive defensive linemen on that side of the field. Yeah. Uh, and how about Robert Stafford, the signee at cornerback? How's he stacking up? Yeah, I think Robert Stafford's maybe blended in a little bit more and, uh, you know, not, not in a negative way where he's kind of just been like bad or anything like that. But again, I mean, this is kind of like the cream of the crop in terms of, defensive backs. Uh, Robert Stafford's kind of still making that transition to cornerback. Uh, I think you can see that there's still a little bit of rawness in terms of just the coverage stuff. He's forced a few incompletions during one-on-ones, especially in kind of some reds in some like end zone drills where like, you know, they're kind of on like maybe the seven yard line and they're kind of asked to go, Uh, you know, he he's definitely shown some of those flashes, but he hasn't maybe, you know, emerged or made that big play where you're just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, he's kind of that guy. I don't think he's been on that, like, you know, top tier of defensive backs. But I think physically he's another one that's kind of long. I think he moves kind of well. Um, but I do think – I mean, I think to me, I think there's definitely still a, a, a learning curve that he has ahead of him, uh, you know, before he's ready to get on the field on Saturdays. How about Nicholas Harbour, um, the athlete? What is he playing at Under Armour this week? Wide receiver slash tight end. Um, I think at the high school level, he's played uh, some defense as well. Um, First off, let's talk recruiting. There seems to be some, uh, you know, he said that it's a possibility, I guess, that he could visit Miami in January. What what's going on there with that? Yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, he might have an open weekend uh, coming up here soon. Um, I mean, we'll we'll see. I think it's kind of an uphill climb to see if that really happens, uh, just because it seems like his track schedule is is kind of, you know, it seems like it's kind of, uh, you know, maybe a priority. I think he has a meet uh, the second, I guess, I, I guess maybe it's the first open high school weekend. So 
really it's there's a there's an official visit weekend for high school the 13th and the 14th there's a tw- the the 21st and there's a 28th um i think that 14th he has a he has a track meet uh and then the 28th it sounds like he's going to oregon so if miami gets him in uh it would have to either be something midweek somewhere or you know that weekend of the 21st he mentioned the weekend of the 7th through the 8th to me but that's actually a dead period for for high school recruits it's open for transfers and and mid and those mid-year enrollees but i don't think that's a window that would work for for nicholas harbor and miami in terms of an official visit so um i think it's going to be tough for miami to actually you know to get them on campus but there seems to be some some buzz around you know the program that you know like this is a place that you know he could definitely see himself at they they feel like they're very much alive in this recruitment i'm planning on talking to him one more time here after the Under Armour All-American game to kind of see, because of course we talked to them on Thursday. This is already Tuesday. There's a ton that could have changed or or could have been set up by then. So I'm happy. I'm hoping to have a a more, you know, complete Nicholas Harbor update here after the Under Armour All-American game on Tuesday. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Because there's, there's definitely some clips that have hit social media that I find intriguing. Um, But, you know, I'm only seeing small snippets of, you know, right six second plays what are your impressions of him as a player yeah i mean i'm not seeing a, i haven't seen a ton of him myself but i mean obviously our colleagues here at 24 7 have seen a bunch of him and i think the i mean just talking to even just andrew ivan's director of scouting i mean i think uh you know he he's a guy that yeah maybe sure maybe he's not the most natural pass catcher but he's come down with some contested balls i mean he hit a post over uh i think it was it might have been malik muhammad who's like a texas bound cornerback and uh you know, he, he, he burned him. Like, you know, he, he, he can run past people. I watched him run a 40 yard dash against Dylan Edwards. Who's like a five foot six running back going to Colorado who absolutely flies. He was stride for stride with Dylan Edwards. And this kid's running at six foot five, 230, 240 pounds. I mean, physically just an absolute anomaly. Ridiculous. And to actually, to actually like watch him in person run that way, I mean, it, it's it, it's insane. I mean, there, I've never seen – I mean, most people probably haven't seen anything like that. So, yeah, and you know what? Maybe you kind of have to work with him. You kind of you might have to bring him along as a pass catcher. But if that's what he wants to do and you're willing to buy in on that development with him long term, I mean, all the way, whether that's – I mean, even if it's as an outside receiver, if right. it's at tight end, whatever it is, I mean, it sounds to me like, uh, you know, people in Coral Gables are open to bringing him, him in and allowing him to kind of just dictate what he wants to do. And again, Miami has a need at outside receiver. I think that they're, I think that they're pretty open about, you know, bringing him in and potentially throwing him out wide. I mean, I don't think that that's outside of the realm of possibility if that's something that Nicholas Harbour wanted to do. So I think he can play, man. And yeah, it might not always be pretty. And, you know, you might have to go through some, you know, bumps in the road in terms of drops and all those things. But I think when he's good, he can be, you know, as good as any, you know, big kind of outside receiver like that. I mean, who knows what it looks like down the road, but man, he's someone I'm wor- that I would roll a dice on, especially considering, uh, you know, Miami's situation, you know, at wide receiver. Yeah, it's not, I, I don't, I bring this up and I recognize it's not a perfect comp, but his size, his speed, it does give me some DK Metcalf vibes in terms of, you know, I remember when it was NFL draft time for DK Metcalf, there was a lot of talk about, I think his three cone drill was slow. Uh, his change of direction time was not impressive. And that's why he slipped to 
the second round. Um, but and this is crazy to say, but in terms of physical traits, um, Nicholas Harbor is a bigger, faster version of yeah. DK Metcalf. Now the football playing aspect, you know, there's probably some ways to go there with Nicholas, but you cannot teach six five two forty with verified what ten two speed in the yeah, hundred meters. Insane. Um, you just bet on those traits. Um, yeah. and that's what the Seattle Seahawks did with DK Metcalf in the draft. And, uh, they were, they were rewarded for that. Um, how about just other guys that, that are impressing you this week at Under Armour in general, you know, don't have to be Miami guys, but who are guys that you're like, man, this guy's going to be fun to watch in college. Yeah. For me, uh, that it's uh, PJ out He's a, a pass rusher that signed with Oklahoma. I mean, 85-inch, uh, you know, wingspan, just a kind of freaky, freaky pass rusher. I mean, I think that the ski- the ceiling is is sky high for him. I think that uh, – I don't know, man. I mean, this kid is, this kid's just kind of another kind of physical freak that I'm super excited about. The Oklahoma guys are here as well. And, you know, definitely Brent Venables is kind of eager to get their hands on him. He's been really, really good. Um, Mikey Williams is a receiver that's going to Utah. I mean, he's been awesome. Richard Young, man. I mean, Richard, I was kind of, you know, I think a lot of our subscribers know that I was kind of a, a Cedric Baxter, uh, you know, kind of Homer or whatever fan or what, whatever it is kind of over the course of the process of the process. But man, watching Richard Young in person has been, uh, has definitely been an experience. I think he's the real, real deal. Uh, Deuce Robinson, the tight end, that number one tight end, who's also like an MLB draft prospect. I think there were some questions about his hands coming in. He's been kind of, he's been amazing to watch as well. Um, who else, man? I mean, a, a bunch of, I mean, these are all just a bunch of dudes that are a lot of fun to watch on the, maybe the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Kelby Collins, who's going to Florida, I think is a real big time defensive lineman. Jordan Renaud has been really fun to watch. John Walker, who's going to UCF, like what a steal for UCF because I mean, that kid yeah. can all the way play in the SEC or the Big Ten if he would have gone to Ohio State. I mean, Miami really wanted him to. I mean, that's a massive win for UCF. He's been extremely impressive. Uh, Ethan Nation is a cornerback uh, for Team Speed who's been really good. I think he's going to make a commitment uh, sometime now, you know, at the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, there, there's been a lot of big-time dudes that have been a lot of fun to watch, but those are amongst uh, my favorites. I don't even know how many, like, unsigned guys there are competing at Under Armour, but if there are any, are there guys that have caught your attention and should deserve attention from, from Miami as they look to close out this class in January slash February? Yeah. I mean, Harbor definitely, obviously, I mean, obviously, right. I mean, excluding him, Roderick Pleasant is a name Miami fans, I think always kind of get excited about because they offered, uh, he kind of, he kind of balled out, uh, you know, he, he's definitely on the smaller side. I mean, lifted at five eleven on his two, four, seven profile, um, I'm definitely taking the under there. I think he's probably closer to five nine ish. Um, okay. But man, but he can make plays. I mean, you watch him in coverage. I mean, he can run stride for stride with anyone. He broke up a couple passes. I think he had an interception uh, on that first day of practice too. I mean, the kid could definitely cover. He can definitely run. He was another one who kind of uh, you know I kind of you know kind of watching him sprint it out was was super impressive. I mean, he can absolutely move. But yeah, he's definitely he's definitely on the smaller side. Um, 
really, I think that's it in terms of guys that like Miami could realistically kind of go after because a lot of these kids are who are uncommitted or quote unquote unsigned who are announcing here at the at the Under Armour game. I'm guessing have already sent their letter of intent somewhere. They're just kind of making their right. intentions known here at the game. So I think Roderick Pleasant is the only one. Um, I think this, in terms of if he's going to be like an outside corner or something like that, I don't think he necessarily – maybe he does. I mean, I don't know. He, he 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 can definitely cover. He just doesn't have, you know, those ideal maybe measurables that I think uh, maybe you would hope for on the outside. Do you think there's a chance he could visit? Um Miami in January. I know he's taken, it looks like he's taken four officials yeah. already. Yeah. It sounds like he's going to go to USC with that final official visit. Okay. I'm not sure Miami's going to be able to get him on campus. If they do, um, there would, they would basically have to either, uh, you know, convince him to unofficially visit USC and then come down to Miami for an official. Um, I don't know if that's something that's necessarily in the cards. So um, I, I, I would probably lean no if I, if I had to right now. Right. And he, he, of course, hails from Junipero, from Sarah High School yeah. uh, in California. So that's why USC would definitely be a team to watch there. All right. We're going to have another word from one of our sponsors. And uh, on the other side, Gabby and I will dive into the second wave of the transfer portal. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation. And Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305. 393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. All right, we are back. Gabby, it's second wave time and Miami has been patient. I think they've, you know, they've definitely added some impressive talent in the transfer portal, but there's still work to be done. Uh, I think we expected, you know, around 10 transfer portal additions. And right now they're what at four, I believe. Yeah, four. Um, so still work to be done specifically. It seems like at defensive tackle, of course, wide receiver. And uh, you know, I think they'd still like to take a corner. I think they'd still like to take a center. I think they'd still like to take a running back just, uh, improving the depth overall. I don't think necessarily all their takes have to be game changers, um, but they do want to, at the very least, add some veteran depth um, that can help in the rotation at various positions. Uh, so transfers this weekend can take official visits. High school players cannot, but transfers can. 
And Gabby, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, we know of two um, two transfer visits that are planned to happen. Let's start on the defensive line with Arkansas defensive lineman Isaiah Nichols. What's what do you know about this situation? Yeah, uh, this is. I mean, Isaiah Nichols is a kid that I think. I mean, it should should be a name that I know our subscribers have heard before. I know when we've talked about defensive linemen. He's, a, he's definitely a guy I've thrown out there a time or two um, just because, again, Miami's looking to bolster up the interior defensive line. Mario Cristobal was very open about that during his uh, early signing day press conference. And, you know, Nichols is a six foot three, 302 pounder who spent five seasons in the SEC uh, with the Razorbacks. I honestly don't even know how he's still eligible. I have to kind of go back and look through that. But uh, he's a, uh, he's a, uh, you know, he's played over 1500 snaps in the SEC West, 28 total pressures, six sacks, um, you know, and again, he's, he's, he's a big body. Miami's looking to improve the overall size. The way it looks is, is very important. And, uh, you know, Nichols does have great size and of course uh, has played in the premier conference in college football. So I think Miami's hoping that they can get their hands on him and, uh, you know, he can definitely bring some valuable experience uh, to uh, the ACC where Miami is hoping to kind of turn it around in 2023. Yeah. Played 400 defensive snaps this year to me, you know, the value here is he's an older player. So he'd have one more year of eligibility. I think he gives you 20 to 25 snaps per game and he helps plug the run. Uh, I, I think that's where his value is bigger body, older guy, I think size and age matter at some positions in particular in college football. And I think defensive tackle is one of them. So, you know, his stats won't blow you away. Um, but I think he's a rotational guy that has experience and, uh, can bring kind of that veteran, um, not leadership, but just, uh, you know, acts like a pro, uh, to the defensive line group. Um, and then at cornerback, Gabby, another guy, I guess, visiting this weekend, Iowa corner, Terry Roberts. Another senior, uh, another veteran guy. This one's interesting. What what have you learned about Terry Roberts? Yeah, this is definitely an interesting situation. Um, Miami really likes this kid. He started the first three weeks of the of the season uh, for Iowa, then kind of got hurt. he kind of got uh, banged up a little bit, and then um, you know kind of I think he only played in one more game. That was week six against Illinois. Um, two hundred and two snaps on the season, but. Look, Miami, like you mentioned, David, Miami's looking for some cornerback help. And Terry Roberts is a veteran. I mean, he's spent he's been in college four years now. He was a class of 2019 uh, prospect. And and look, I, just kind of checking in with some Iowa sources. I mean, to uh, Sean Bach of Hawkeye Insiders here in Orlando with me, I was having I was having conversation with him about Roberts yesterday. And it, it sounds like this is someone that, you know, the Hawkeyes did not want to lose. I think they I think he's a, an extremely valuable special teams player. Uh, from what he told me, he said they, he called him one of the best gunners in the country. So I think he provides, you know, that sort of help on special teams, which is obviously huge. And, uh, you know, they feel like he's a talent. He's a talented cornerback that just kind of ran into some injury. Like, you know, that just got kind of just got banged up. But, you know, a lot of people in Iowa City had high expectations for him here in 2022. Uh, I think Arkansas, Penn State, uh, a couple others have offered as a in a transfer portal. So a guy that's highly sought after by some major programs. It sounds like Miami might get the last word here over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I agree with your assessment. And I, so he, he is a guy that was a starter for Iowa this year. 
and then he sustained a quote-unquote lower leg injury. So my read on that would be ankle or foot. Um, he was targeted 17 times in coverage this year, uh, allowed seven receptions for 49 yards, had an interception, and also had four pass breakups, which I think that four pass breakup number is an impressive number considering he only played in four games. Goes about 5'10". He's from the state of Pennsylvania. And you're right, in 2021, he was uh, recognized for you know an Iowa team award um, for their gunner on special teams. He, he won the quote-unquote team hustle award for those efforts on special teams. I think, too, he was regarded as maybe the fastest guy on the team at Iowa. So I think there's ability there. I think he's also an intelligent player. I think he has aspirations to be a coach. Um, and so, you know, I think those are traits that Miami would also lean into as well, uh, you know, in terms of knowledge of the game and uh, wanting to put in the work in terms of study habits. So, uh, again, I don't know if he's necessarily a guy that his stats will blow you away because he really hasn't played all that much. Um, but I do think there's something there. And I think at the very least, he provides depth kind of the same way like we saw Daryl Porter provide some depth this year as a transfer from West Virginia. Um, so those are the two guys we know they're visiting right now. Probably will be more. Uh, I guess we'll see on that. Um, but there are names that are still entering as we speak, you know, bowl games wrapping up, et cetera. So that wave of players uh, starting to enter the portal as well. And one of the interesting names I think to note is UCF center, Matt Lee, who um, goes 6'4", 295, class of 2019 in Haggerty High School in Oviedo, Florida. So that's right down the road from UCF. He's played 2,700 offensive snaps. This year, he was graded out by Pro Football Focus as the third best center in the country, second best pass blocking center in the country, allowed only four pressures and zero sacks in 2022, called for only two penalties this year too. So veteran guy, you know, I don't know if Miami's going to make a move here, but I do think, you know, we know, Gab, be that they do they would like to upgrade the center position to me UCF center Matt Lee makes a lot of sense yeah definitely makes a ton of sense and like you said David they're definitely looking to upgrade I mean really the whole offensive line I think we saw that with JV and yeah. Cohen and with you know them going out and grabbing Francis Malgoa Samson and Lola I think the hope is those guys kind of are ready to go by the time you know, September rolls around and yeah, you know, they wanted, they want, they might want to upgrade, you know, the center as well. And Matt Lee, again, I think is a name that makes a ton of sense. He hit the portal. What was it, David? Today's uh, Tuesday. I guess he hit the portal on Monday. Um, and yeah, I, you kind of look at those things, the proximity to South Florida being an Orlando native, he's kind of stepping away from the Knights. And if Miami's looking to upgrade the center spot, uh, Matt Lee's definitely a name that, that seems to make a lot of sense. And a guy that's uh, reportedly going to enter the transfer portal here on Tuesday is Texas A&M defensive lineman Anthony Lucas. That name might sound familiar to Miami recruiting fans because he was a five-star recruit in the 2022 cycle. 
correct me if I have this wrong, Gabby, but his dad went to Miami, correct? Um, yep. Anthony Lucas, big-time talent, played 143 defensive snaps as a true freshman this year for Texas A&M. He goes 6'5", 290, uh, 10 tackles, one tackle for loss. I think he projects as a athletic interior defensive lineman, but I think he could potentially get it done on the edge as well. Do you think he's a name to watch? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's a name that makes a lot of sense. Again, you kind of look at the eligibility, too. I mean, he's does three years. I think he played in six games for the Aggies this fall. I mean, yeah, he played in all, all six of the, of, of the first six games. I think he got suspended. But, I mean, you look at the rotational numbers, and he was a regular part of what Jimbo Fisher and Elijah Robinson were doing on that defensive side of the ball. I mean, th- those are the types of guys where, I mean, we're talking about uh, someone like an Isaiah Nichols who can come in and give, us, give Miami 20, 25 snaps a game. Anthony Lucas was doing that as a true freshman for the Aggies. And I don't even think he was an early enrollee. I think he was like a summer, I think he was a summer guy, got there and then just kind of, you know, picked up quickly. He's a physical, he's a physical freak, um, you know, six foot five, close to 300 pounds. We, I saw him at the high school level. He was a big dude then. He took an official visit to Oregon throughout the process. So familiar with Mario Cristobal. Uh, as you mentioned, David, his dad went to the University of Miami and he also took an official visit to Miami. Um, right. You know, I think it was even during the fall too. So came for a game. I think he came for like the Michigan State game or, or something like that. So been yes. around the program down here too. Yeah, that was a brutal one. Um, but he ends up at Texas A&M. He's in the portal now. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there's reason, you know, again, kind of looking at the situation, you need help along the defensive line. Anthony Lucas, um, you know, if there isn't too many off, you know, off the field red flags because he did get suspended, not sure exactly what the reason is. Um, I think that he's someone that you kind of kick the tires on and, and, and bring him down if you can, of course. Another name at defensive tackle I'm curious about is Justin Rogers. Uh, you know, I think Miami would like to add size on the defensive line. Six Rogers goes six, three, three thirty six. Um, 35 tackles this year, one and a half tackles for loss, a half a sack. So again, doesn't put up huge numbers, but I think he fits that profile of the run stuffing defensive tackle. Again, Miami needs to to find a replacement for Daryl Jackson, who transferred to FSU. Um, What do you think about Justin Rogers potentially being a fit for Miami? Yeah, I definitely think he's another another potentially good fit. Listed at six foot three, three hundred thirty two pounds. Started twelve games for the Wildcats in twenty twenty two. Started a few in twenty twenty one, as well. And again, it's just it's almost I'm almost at the point where it's just like, hey, if a guy's six two plus and is eclipsing the three hundred the three hundred pound mark, I think there's a pretty good chance Miami's going after him. And again, I think they're really really trying to figure out this uh, interior defensive line. They went after Cameron Jackson, who quickly committed to Florida. I mean, I think that was one of the shortest uh, recruitments I've ever covered. I think it was just over 24 hours before he was off the board and headed to Gainesville. Justin Rogers is uh, is one I think that they're kind of poking around on as well. And again, I think if you see if they, if those guys kind of check off the boxes from a measurable standpoint, and you kind of you know you can kind of piece together, okay, this kid was a a contributor and a solid player. I think there's a good chance Miami's going to be interested until they fill a couple of those spots. And, you know, he had a 70, 71.4 uh, grade against the rush last year. So, I mean, in 2022, a 70 uh, tackle grade, 67.5 pass rush grade. So uh, he was a pretty, I, I mean, it seems like he was a pretty efficient interior defensive lineman. And I, I do believe Miami has, has some interest in that one too. 
Dante Thornton is a name still lingering out there. The Oregon wide receiver transfer, 6'5", 200-pound wide receiver. He took an official visit to Miami um, in mid-December. What's what's the latest there? Looks like he might be visiting Arkansas. I know Tennessee was a team that he was interested in as well. Do you think Miami still feels like they're they're a player in this in this transfer portal recruitment? Because they do, of course, need some sort of dynamic addition at the outside receiver spot. Yeah, um, you know, I do think Miami's still kind of in it, but I think as we saw with that first wave, David, if those guys were visiting schools during that uh, that week in December ahead of the early signing period, I feel like a lot of them kind of made decisions, and if they didn't. Um, it kind of felt like they were kind of still looking for something else. You mentioned Arkansas. I didn't. I, I didn't know about Arkansas, but I confirmed with Ryan Callahan of Vols Two Four Seven that uh, he is expected in Knoxville uh, this coming weekend. So Friday to I guess Sunday. And I think, as I mentioned on a previous podcast, I probably put it on the site too. It seems like Miami's most concerned about Tennessee there, and of course they, you know, Josh Heupel and that offense just put up uh, some pretty impressive numbers. Uh, they just, they're coming off an Orange Bowl win. Uh, that could, I could see that being being an extremely attractive destination for wideouts. Look at what they just did with Jalen Hyatt. I don't I don't know how many people knew his name going into the year. He kind of finishes his his career uh, with the Volunteers with 15 touchdowns and as a you know I think he's regarded as one of the top receivers in this coming draft. So uh, Tennessee could be a really interesting situation, and I think if Miami can somehow kind of shake past the Vols, I I think that uh. You know, there could still very much be in it, but I think this Tennessee visit is going to be a big one for him. Yeah, so I guess Dante, you know, the window officially opens on Wednesday for these transfers, and he is planning to visit Wednesday and Thursday at Arkansas, and then sounds like he'll jet over to Tennessee. So uh, we'll see if Miami can reel him in. Um, I got one more, David. I, I mean, I know he's not on our, on, our run, on our rundown, but I, there's one more name I want to throw out there because I think I – I teased it at, on the on the board over the weekend. Okay. Uh, that's that's Memphis tight end transfer Caden uh, Prius Corn. I think I'm saying right. that right. Um, I you know Alan True, who's here again here in Orlando, also kind of touched base with the family. It does sound like there is interest in Miami. Uh, it sounds like you know he might get to a couple schools here in January during this window. Um, he is not a graduate transfer. Um, he's like at the very end, and I think that might. I think that could potentially be a hiccup in terms of Miami, because from what I understand, there might be some, you know, credits that may not transfer over because he's not officially done with school. And I think it could set him back, you know, academically with Miami. I think that's something that they're still kind of trying to work through. Um, But I do think that, you know, football wise, there is mutual interest between Caden Prius corn. I think he was an all AC, an all AAC tight end. Uh, with the with the Memphis Tigers, and uh, I know Miami is kind is 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 definitely interested in him. I know he is definitely interested in Miami. I believe Louisville is another school that's kind of in the mix there too. So he's one that I would continue to watch out for. But uh, you know, if again, if Miami could find a way to kind of overcome some of those that academic stuff, um, which you know kind of came up on my radar, just kind of you know talking to True and uh, that situation, I think that he's one that could make a lot of sense for Miami at tight end. David, you mentioned it early in the podcast. Uh, you know, I think Miami's trying to upgrade every position. You know, I don't yeah. think that there's a position that they're not, you know, looking at. Tight ends is uh, is definitely one where they can use another body. You mentioned running back. I think safety is another one that Miami would love to get another body at as well. So 
Um, not that's not an alarming thing. It's not because anything's concerning about Elijah Arroyo or Jaleel Skinner or any of those guys. I think that Miami just yeah, needs to elevate depth. the roster. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think Prius Bourne is is someone that uh, you know they've definitely identified as someone who could who come in and compete. Yeah, he goes six six two fifty five. Uh, had over six hundred yards this season receiving. I think he also brings some physicality as a blocker um, that would be welcomed. So yeah, he also has a younger brother who's a top two four seven tight end in the class of twenty twenty four with uh, some with some major offers. So uh, I'm not saying it's a two for one action, David. We right. know those never really work out that way, but uh, I do think it kind of puts Miami in play for another, you know, a, a potentially another high level tight end next cycle after landing Riley Williams and Jackson Carver here in 2023. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. I'd like to now go just big picture college football thoughts. You know, we, we had a great weekend of uh, college football playoff semifinal games. Both games came down to the wire. Both games high scoring. Both games enjoyable to watch. Um but I, I'd like to just have a big picture conversation on college football, you know, what it means, you know, with the, you know, in terms of like the profile that we saw these teams, uh, you know, put on the field with their talent, et cetera, and apply that to Miami. Um, I'd like to start just, you know, on the front end, I do think, you know, uh, having the transfer portal, having NIL, I think these are uh, factors that are helping to spread the talent. And look, I'm not saying every year a TCU type of team is going to make the championship game. This is an outlier. But I do think it is cool for the sport of college football that this year a TCU type of team is in the championship game and I think it strengthens the case that going to a 12-team playoff format is the right call. Again, most times the powers are still going to be in the semifinals and or make the playoffs. But we saw over the weekend, right? Tulane took down USC. Um, you know, TCU beat Michigan. I don't think anyone really saw either of those things happen or happening. Um, but I think this is a case that, look, I think the talent is spreading out a little more evenly via NIL at the high school level and transfer portal, um, you know, NIL type of stuff too. You know, you see teams like Alabama, Clemson, teams are starting to pick away at their depth. And I think that matters too. Um, anyways, talking about those games, you know, the, the thing that, that, hit me, Gabby, is Georgia and Michigan run the same type of offense that Mario Cristobal wants to run. It's a balanced offense, power up front. Um, So I thought that was interesting. You know, I think it was also pretty obvious that all four of those teams 
featured quarterbacks with some sort of mobility, whether it's pocket mobility um, or just straight up athletic enough to pick up yards in the run game on their own. I think it was pretty obvious on the flip side, if we're talking about on defense, you need to have a front seven that can affect the quarterback, disrupt the quarterback, make the, make the quarterback have to be mobile, get him off his spot. Um, I think it was pretty obvious that all four of the teams generated explosives in the passing game in some sort of way, um, which led to all the teams scoring, what, 40-plus points pretty much. Um, and then I do think all four of the teams were somewhat balanced uh, in terms of having a run threat. Ohio State didn't necessarily have much of a run game going, but I do think C.J. Stroud scrambling was, you know, something Georgia had to contend with. I also think it's worth noting that within the context of running the ball against Georgia, I think Ohio State at least had the threat of a run game uh, where Georgia had to um, feel like they needed to address that phase in some way. Uh, because to me, balance is about addressing a threat. It doesn't have to be a 50-50 split. So anyways, those are those are kind of the things that hit me. And then from a Miami perspective, obviously, you know, I think mobility at quarterback is something that's interesting to discuss. Uh, explosive in the pass game, that was definitely a missing element this year. Yeah. That needs to be addressed. The run game was not good enough this year. That needs to be addressed. Um, so yeah, those are just kind of college football playoff thoughts applied to Miami. I don't know if any of that stuff hit you the same way. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think one that I, I think a couple, um, that kind of hit me, you mentioned it, the, the explosive wide receiver, like the outside receiver threat, you need, you need to have that guy like Georgia had, a, a Don, a Donius, uh, Mitchell or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. he, I mean, he was, he was awesome. Arian Smith. Arian Smith, uh, Ohio State had Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you saw how much they backtracked, how much like the offense kind of changed once he went down. Like they couldn't, they couldn't do as much as as they wanted to do because I Marvin think they Harrison, win the game if he doesn't yeah, get hurt. I I I'm, I agree. I mean Marvin Harrison Jr. was 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 absolutely massive for them. I think you look at TCU and you look at Quint, uh, Quinton Johnson um, and and everything that he was able to do. Michigan, what Ronnie Bell was able to do for them in the passing game, and even. And even Roman Wilson, I mean, th- those guys, I mean, all, 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 all four of those teams had go-to wide receivers that they kind of leaned on. Miami does not have that outside threat. I think that be, I mean, I think that was very obvious. And I think it's the importance of why you need to upgrade um, that position. I think, I think the line of scrimmage is another one that, you know, even though those teams put up a lot of points, you need to kind of have the, the, that yeah. line of scrimmage right. I think you need to have those physical outside corners. I mean, TCU, uh, that number one, that I think he won yep. the Thorpe Award. I mean, he was amazing. Uh, I, I mean, I think a lot, Kayle, Kayle Ringo, uh, you know, obviously he had a tough matchup with Marvin Harrison Jr., but man, I mean, I think he's a really strong physical corner. Yeah, I definitely, you know, just kind of have got to have those guys that continue to to kind of chip away. Um, and I, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that I think you can watch those games and you can kind of see how far Miami kind of is. But then, I mean, you also look at TCU. I mean, that was a five, they were a five win team in in 2021 and they go out they get 14 transfers and again not saying that this is the recipe david not saying that this is definitely what's going to happen but you mentioned how in today's college football how you know the 
the way to flip the roster, like the, the process of flipping the roster can be expedited because of the transfer portal. And I'm not saying it's something you lean on. I think, I think all, another thing all these programs showed is that, you know, the organic high school recruiting is the way you get to this level, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, those guys have a ton of homegrown talent. They kind of get, they get transfer guys where they need to. I know Michigan just kind of went transfer heavy, you know, in this past off season, but you know, TCU goes out and gets 14 transfers. And a lot of those guys are contributing to what they did here in, uh, in 2022. So uh, Miami can go out and get, you know, 10 plus guys or whatever it is they end up doing. And again, not saying they're going to be college football playoff contenders, but you know, you can go from five wins and you can easily get to the eight, nine win range. And I think that that's a fair expectation, just given how quickly you can turn over the roster. Miami's already added, added some quality pieces. They, I think they just got to continue to, you know, put together a few more band-aids and eventually when the high school recruiting, you can start stacking classes, you can potentially get to a point where you can be, you know, in a situation like, like these programs who are able to organically build the roster up. No doubt. And I think, look, again, everything was an issue for Miami. I'm not pinpointing it on one thing in terms of, is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it the schemes, et cetera. But to me, what hit me is like, man, Miami's personnel has a long ways to go oh, yeah. before it looks like a Georgia, before it looks like Ohio State or even a Michigan. Yeah. Um, you know, where where are offensively, where are the playmakers for Miami to even expect to be in a competitive game with those type of teams, right? Um, they weren't there this year. So uh we will see if the personnel can be flipped year over year to be good enough. Like you said, eight or nine wins last point. I want to touch on Gabby. Um, it's the point I'll, you know, everyone wants to talk about. I don't know if I really necessarily have, I don't really have much information to share in this regard, but off season staff changes, right? Will they happen or no? Um, and look, I think this is just, again, we, we said this a year ago at this time, this is Mario Cristobal's process in terms of evaluating a staff. I think he takes his time. I think he wants to let seasons finish out both at the college level and at the NFL level. Um, and look, this is me editorializing. I am not reporting, but I do. Ex I would be surprised if some changes are not made specifically at offensive coordinator and again, I don't think that's necessarily from a scheme perspective. I This is the scheme that Mario Cristobal wants to run. Again, this, that's the scheme Georgia runs. It's the scheme Michigan runs. Um, and it's, quite frankly, pretty close to what Ohio State runs as well. Um, but anyways, I think if an offensive coordinator move is made, it's more of like a personality fit and a vibe fit rather than scheme. Um, and look, if an offensive coordinator move is made, I think there is a domino effect on that side of the ball where other positions changes have to be made as well. Defensively, I think options will be explored. Um, but I think it comes, it kind of comes down to like, does Mario Cristobal feel like he can upgrade from coach Steele? Uh, so uh, again, this is Mario Cristobal's track record. He takes his time with staffing hires. 
Um, I understand the frustration and impatience with it all, but this is just how it's going to be during this Mario Cristobal era. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Gabby. Yeah, David. I mean, I don't have a ton there. Um, I just think we need to kind of refer back to what we know. And that's what we saw last coaching carousel and how long it took and how Josh Gaddis was brought in basically a month. Like, you know, it was early February when yep. the decision to bring in Josh Gaddis was, was made. Uh, Mario Crystal operates on his own timeline. I think right now it's all about talent acquisition. I think that was the mentality last year and what, like through the impatience of the fan base, I think Mario Cristobal was just in recruit mode, recruit, recruit mode. Um, I think he's in that same mode right now in terms of just trying to get this transfer portal stuff right, trying to get dudes, uh, you know, during this second wave, putting the finishing touches on this class of 2023 um, and all those types of things. And I don't know where the coaching staff turnover is in his frame of mind, um, whether it happens, whether it doesn't. Um, I think right now it's just about recruiting. And I think all that stuff's going to happen when he, when it, it kind of on his time, it's just the way that it's just the way those things kind of go. So, so we'll see. You know, I think uh, I think again, I, I don't really know anything to report or even speculate on at this point, David. So I'll definitely defer to you for for all that type of stuff. All right. So let's wrap it up there. Um, again, thanks to all our sponsors. Your support means so much. Uh, again, Star Horton Group for your real estate needs. Pride Financial. Uh, get your financial uh, needs there. LT Pro Enterprises, if you need staffing help, and Midway Sports, lots of good stuff there. Uh, good local sporting goods store. Um, for more information on our sponsors, check out the show notes for links. And until next time, take care.